Welcome to For the Record, behind-the-scenes insider podcast with Colin McCall, where we take a forward-facing look at your environmental requirements and help you make your EHS program an indispensable and strategic part of your company's growth. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter. And now, here's your host, Colin McCall. So on this podcast, you're going to hear a lot from national experts. And speaking of national experts, I have my first guest with me, Amy Marshall. So if you've worked in this industry for the past 20 or so years, you probably know Amy. She's an all-around air quality regulatory expert. She's extremely connected to what's going on over at RTP and with the folks at EPA. So you can expect to hear a lot from her as a guest on this podcast. She's a proud NC State Wolfpack alum. And as we learned at a recent All Four Talent show, she is also musically gifted. And it just surprised me. I didn't realize someone could know that much about air quality rules and also be pretty damn good at the piano. So I thought that was really cool. Amy, any other comments in the way of further introduction that you'd like the audience to know? No, my mother made me take piano lessons starting at age five, and I did actually earn a tiny bit of money towards my NC State education playing piano. So there you go. Very nice. Very nice. So we're going to focus inevitably in all of these on forward-looking aspects of every topic that we cover. So what better topic to cover than the upcoming presidential election, its implications for the EPA administration, and therefore what different results could mean for your environmental program. So we want to really focus on the things you might need to know to help to grow your facility and to bolster the knowledge of your environmental staff, depending on what those different federal priorities might be. So that's really the focus of these first two episodes of the podcast. So, Amy, I'm going to start off by focusing on an election outcome where President Trump is reelected, the EPA administration stays in place. And I think to know what that might mean looking forward, we probably have to look backward because we're four years into that administration at this point. So from your perspective, big picture, what were some of the accomplishments in terms of the current administration around new actions? And maybe how does some of that compare with the goals that they stated at the beginning? Yep. So at the very beginning of this administration, we saw a willingness to consider and enact reforms and also embracing the concept of not adding further regulatory burden to industry where it didn't make sense. So if we think back to early 2017, we had, you know, this regulatory freeze memo. We had a couple of early executive orders around reducing regulation and controlling regulatory costs, enforcing the regulatory reform agenda. We had the Department of Commerce requesting information on ways they could streamline permitting for manufacturing, and EPA requested comments on regulatory reform. So going to meet with EPA in those early days of the current administration um, was really a dialogue between industry and EPA on what EPA could do as far as both policy uh, guidance and rulemaking to streamline permitting for manufacturing. We saw EPA change from a focus on enforcement initiatives to compliance initiatives. So they kind of, they renamed their four-year initiatives. 
they withdrew their next generation compliance tools memo. They had less of an emphasis on the use of data from what they called innovative enforcement tools or these small sensors or kind of mobile community monitors. Um, they haven't finalized requirements for fence line monitoring and any of the additional air toxics rules this term. So as part of EPA's implementation of all the ideas the industry gave them for streamlining and reform, we've seen a mix of both guidance and regulatory changes. So some of the really helpful actions during this administration are related to new source review and permitting. So one of the very first things we saw was this memo from Scott Pruitt on projected actual emissions and it introduced this concept of the agency not second guessing a facility's projection that they put in their permit application, and also the concept that a facility can manage its post-project emissions to its projected actual emissions. So that was something new and different, and I think has uh, been beneficial as we've been permitting projects for facilities. The second really helpful thing was the project emissions accounting guidance, and hopefully soon to be final rulemaking. That basically said that facilities can use what was previously termed project netting. So if we have a project that has both increases and decreases, say we're shutting down a coal-fired boiler and replacing it with a gas-fired boilers, I can do my calculations for my project and incorporate both the increases and the decreases. I don't have to wait to take my decreases as far as a full facility-wide netting exercise. We had a couple of other memos and guidance documents with some good stuff. We had the MACT once in, always in policy revoked um, that has reduced regulatory burden on, on several facilities. And the latest interesting thing we've seen is around guidance. And I think this the latest guidance rule that was signed in September but hasn't yet been published in the Federal Register at the time we're recording this could make it a little bit more difficult in the future for a new administration to rescind guidance issued by the previous administration. So, Amy, you had mentioned EPA got feedback from stakeholders. The Department of Commerce went out with a request around that. And one of the biggest pieces of feedback was streamlining some of the key requirements around permitting, knowing that capital dollars and important capital projects are tied to that. I've heard some things from folks just out in the space generally about, well, they, they could do those reforms. It's really at the state level. The states have their own programs. They make calls on those things. So in the end, you know, the collection of this is it's not really that helpful I don't necessarily agree with that because we do enough projects to see that it has a practical impact. I know you just presented uh, to a number of state regulatory agency folks. Can you comment on like how often we've been able to help clients use some of these things and, and whether it is prevalent or helpful in your mind? Yeah, I think it really depends on what state you're in. So it seems like the southeast states where, you know, we out of Raleigh and Atlanta do a lot of permitting are embracing a lot of these reforms. Um, North Carolina has actually allowed this project emissions accounting approach for several years, even before EPA issued the guidance memo, but I hear some of the mid-Atlantic states saying, no, we think that this could allow facilities to group things together that really aren't part of the same project, that they could be circumventing BACT and NAX modeling. But again, even if you are in a state where you use 
project emissions accounting, the state can always say, um, hey, we've had an environmental group submit modeling. Can you submit a modeling demonstration that shows, you know, even with this project, you're complying with the next. So there's always kind of differences between states and then, you know, the give and take between the state requirements and then what little bit extra you might do to respond to a public comment and get your permit. Got it. Yep. So connections with state agencies are important. I always tell people having it at a federal level, regardless of how your state holds it, it can only be helpful. It's just a matter of how quickly maybe you get to utilize some of those. So knowing your state, always important. Yep. So the focus on permitting, streamlining, maintaining existing regulatory programs and focusing on compliance around those rather than enforcement. I hear those things. What are some of the things that the current administration stopped or paused from a philosophical perspective that had been going on before? I think the biggest thing was all the activities in the previous administration related to climate. So in March 2017, uh, we had an executive order that basically directed EPA to go review the clean power plan and, and think about how to replace it. Um, that executive order revoked previous executive orders around climate and Obama's climate action plan. So early on, we had a signal that the current administration was going to do some different things around climate. So we know now that the clean power plan uh, was stayed and then replaced by ACE, the affordable clean energy rule. Uh, the methane rules were rolled back, methane rules around landfills, oil and gas, although those are now being litigated. And I think that rollback was recently stayed for the oil and gas industry. And then we had the auto efficiency standards relax. So, you know, again, a lot of rollbacks uh, or relaxation around climate. We also had a rollback of several significant changes to the risk management plan rule. That rule was was finalized during the Obama administration and then reconsidered and refinalized during the current administration to roll back some of the changes that were made. The refrigerant rule also was revised in the previous administration to include requirements for not refrigerants that necessarily were ozone depleting substances, but refrigerants that had a high global warming potential. So that piece of the refrigerant rule got rolled back. And again, that's uh, currently being litigated. The other thing we saw was a, a pause to the startup shutdown malfunction. SIP call that had been issued to several states. EPA rethought their policy regarding startup shutdown malfunction requirements and state SIPs. And they've finalized a few individual rulemakings to reverse the previous administration's policy. Got it. All right. So that's one of the few times we'll look backwards, but we did it because I think it helps us to look forward in this case because it would be a continuation of the administration. So with all that being said, now looking forward to an extended Trump administration, what should we expect to see in terms of continued priorities for them or new priorities moving forward? Right. So if we see four more years with the current administration, I think we'll see some additional permitting reforms. There were things on the list that we had asked EPA to do that they just didn't have time to get to. However, I did mention that a lot of the rules the current administration has put out, either air toxics or rollbacks of the previous rules are being litigated. 
So it will be interesting to see how any court decisions alter the course of the current administration's action. I think a lack of meaningful climate requirements on a federal level may also lead to more of a state patchwork of requirements. We are tracking a couple of states where they're starting to think about instituting their own climate programs. That makes sense. And so you mentioned state frameworks for climate being something that picks up. I know we have as a topic in a future episode, environmental group involvement and how that might look. And so I assume we'll talk some then about how some of the funding for environmental groups and the focus and expertise that they bring to the table might continue to increase if the current administration stays in place. So knowing that we always want to focus on ways that environmental staff and the environmental teams can help their companies grow. What about some of the areas of priority is going to allow environmental teams to get more efficient in the ways they comply and what's going to help them grow? What are those kind of general categories look like from your perspective? Yeah, any continued efforts to streamline new source review permitting and also modeling will help as far as getting beneficial projects permitted more quickly in order to respond to markets and make facility operations more sustainable and energy efficient. A lot of times we are trying to permit projects that have some cost or energy savings element to them. And a less complicated process cuts down on the time it takes to prepare the permit application and also makes it easier for the agency to review and approve the application. The new guidance procedures could make policy more uniform among the states. Uh, In this new guidance rule, it basically lays out that a regional office can't make a policy decision on its own without the headquarters program owner approving uh, such a guidance or a policy memo. So that can be a good thing going forward. Um, From an everyday operations standpoint, technology is improving every day. So there are electronic systems and new monitoring technologies that can improve and streamline compliance by either automating things that facility environmental staff might be doing now, uh, kind of by hand or in a separate Excel spreadsheet, or some kind of monitoring system that can provide a kind of early warning system or some kind of indicator that a process's operation might be trending in a direction that could cause an exceedance. So this kind of automated monitoring system could, you know, kind of head off something before an exceedance has to be reported. Makes sense. And some of those automation steps, good idea, regardless of administration. If I'm an environmental manager, EHS manager, environmental engineer, I'm being called in to meet with the capital planning team for projects. What are some of the things that, knowing that the focus would continue to be on permit streamlining and reforms so that there could be opportunities to permit more projects and really utilize the reforms that are being put in place, what are the things from an emissions modeling, just other perspectives, like what, what can facilities continue to be doing right now, continue to be looking at right now in the way of planning from your perspective? I think finding the best way to keep up with what's going on at both the federal and local level as far as the changes to air regulation and policy goes, what changes is EPA making or your local agency, what timeline are they on? And how is the state or local regulatory agency implementing, uh, if at all, any of these changes that EPA is making at the federal level? Uh, For example, sometimes a state's rule doesn't allow them to immediately implement a change by EPA. Um, You know, you you mentioned the situation where a state 
might not agree with EPA's policy, but sometimes even if a state agrees with a change that EPA is making, their current rule may not allow it right away. So there may be a lag between a change made at the federal level and a change you can implement when you're permitting in your state. Um, a change in staff at your permitting agency could result in a l- new look at past policies as well. Um, if your state, for example, changes um from a Democrat to Republican or vice versa administration, um, a change in the the direction of the permit agency could result in changes to how things are are permitted. Uh, involvement with natural involvement with national and local industry associations helps, and of course, all four is putting out content all the time to help folks follow the changing landscape. So, from a permitting perspective, knowing that NSR streamlining has been such a focus and is going to continue to be a focus, are there ways I could be looking at my capital planning process or are there ways that I can be looking at emissions or modeling or any of those types of things that I might encounter when I'm doing a capital project? Are there things I can be looking at from that perspective right now, even in the absence of maybe a firm project scope, knowing that this will continue to be such a big focus? Like what should the EHS manager be thinking about? What what should what information maybe would be good to have in hand in some of those different areas? Right. I think a good idea would be to get all the folks at the plant together that are in charge of the different areas of the facility or different types of operations and lay out kind of a three to five year plan and figure out, you know, what direction are we going in as a facility? What types of things are we thinking of doing over the next three to five years? Um, can we group those things together? Can we add other things into these projects that would help us get them permitted more quickly, say an additional emissions reduction element or a fuel switch or Maybe you've used to burn a quote unquote dirtier type of fuel a couple of years ago and you haven't burned it, but you've kept it in your permit. Maybe now is the time to take advantage of some of those higher years in the baseline if we have an expansion project we want to do. So basically just taking a big picture look at where's my facility going if I went ahead and permitted kind of my three to five year plan now, how would that look and can I could I take advantage of some things that I might not otherwise see if I only looked at what's coming, you know, a year or two down the road? Yep. Makes sense. And from an emissions perspective, how does that play out? There's no harm in planning ahead for sure, knowing that that's the focus. So we appreciate you tuning into the first episode of looking at the continuation of the current administration. So be sure to listen to the second episode, which flips the script on that and looks at what a new administration would look like. And there's probably a lot more new that would be going on in that type of setup. So make sure to listen in about what those philosophies and priorities is going to be next time. You've been listening to For the Record Behind the Scenes Insider Podcast with Colin McCall. Remember to sign up for our complimentary For the Record email newsletter to get weekly news and articles on a variety of timely EHS issues. The content heard on this podcast is not intended to replace an evaluation of the specific projects and regulations that you are encountering at your company.